buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. My name is Colin Mitchell and welcome to Sales Transformation, a daily podcast with the best moments from the most respected people in the sales world. The goal of this show is to give you a daily dose, weekends included, in 10 minutes or less to help transform the way you sell. I hope you enjoy today's episode and now to David to tell you what you can expect in today's episode. long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, storytelling in selling is something that a lot of sellers won't take seriously as they think they are either not cut for it or they think it's just a waste of time. What they don't realize is that storytelling is very powerful to build up a relationship with your prospect toward the selling part of the conversation. So tune in to the full interview of Ravi Rajani and discover the power of storytelling and how you can make it sexy and effective. It's time for a ravishing story only here in Sales Transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I am super pumped up today to have Ravi Rajani on today. We're obviously going to talk about storytelling. I don't have the amazing storytelling voice like Ravi does, which you'll see in a minute when he had me on his show. But uh, what Ravi does is he helps sales teams ditch feature selling and start storytelling so they can increase their ACV, reduce their sales cycle, and win relationships for life. So obviously we're going to have some interesting things here to talk about. Ravi, welcome to the show. What's happening, bro? How you feeling, huh? How you feeling? I'm good, man. This is my first interview after being out for a little while. So uh, hopefully I don't, you know, fuck it up or anything like that. Nah, you were good, bro. We're just going to hang out, kick it, talk about storytelling. Uh, ladies and gents, before Colin was like, yeah, we're going to talk about storytelling. I was like, man, I don't talk about anything else. I just stay in my lane, you know, I just stay yeah. in my lane. So yeah, man, looking forward to chopping it up with you. I hope you have a good story prepared. Whoa, it depends what you are. <laughs> yeah. We might be in trouble, folks. No. Yeah, exactly. If, the, if if I don't, then I'm just going to be like, oh, sorry, the connection was bad and just click the X at the top of my screen. So Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn technology. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> technology, man. It's hey, so then we'll have a good story. Then we'll have a good story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So d- just take me back a little bit. Just give us the short, the short story of your professional background and how you got into storytelling. Yeah, bro. Well, I mean, listen, I didn't pop out my mom's womb and go... Yeah, I want to be a storyteller. Like, it, it just doesn't she happen. Like, she would have hit you over the head and said, what the hell is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, is, what do you mean? Get a proper job. Um, so it doesn't happen that way for anybody, you know, except my dad who knew he wanted to be an accountant at the age of 11. But I digress. Now, I remember, dude, I was fuming at my mom because 
she literally shoved me into the same dance school as my little sister when I was about eight or nine years old. And bro, I was so angry on the surface because I was the only dude in school in dance, man. And I was, I was, I suppose petrified is the right word that my dirty little secret was about to be exposed to everybody. And it did, but that's another story. But internally, Colin, man, I was hooked. I was like, I love the stage. Eventually, she let me quit when I uh, was probably I'm just about picturing 10 you with your dance shoes and outfit. I mean, if we got that's, that's creepy, editors, Colin. If, we, if, if we've got pictures, please. It's creepy, Colin. Don't picture that. Stop being creepy. <laughs> um, no, but my mom definitely has some pictures, but I was in it for a couple of years and eventually she let me quit, man, around 10 or 11 years old. But then I stumbled into theater as a team. My best friend's dad was a playwright and I didn't even know it. And he said, mm. yo, Rav, do one play, do another, do another. And before I knew it, I was hooked, dude. I loved it. And growing up, people were always like, yo, Rav, uh, you're going to take this whole speaking, presenting or acting thing seriously because we think you're pretty good at it. And I was like, uh, no, like I want to make some yeah. money. Are you kidding yeah. me? My ego was like money status, go get it. So I did the whole business school thing <laughs> and ended up on the trading floor where I began my career in sales at Citibank, where I was selling foreign exchange products to big corporates. And eventually, man, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I started to feel like everything that I had ever wanted on paper was in misalignment with who I actually was. And that peck, that Woody Woodpecker just kept pecking away, man. And it got bigger and bigger over time. And eventually I quit in August, 2016. And in that time I launched what I now call a portfolio career. When I was, you know, doing TV appearances, I was doing radio, I had a blog, I was doing some coaching. I was leading uh, early stage startups in terms of their sales teams and building them out, loads of different stuff. But eventually dude, I realized these three things. Why are salespeople secretly scared to bring their true personality to every sales conversation? <laughs> Number two is, is why do people not share any stories at all inside of their sales presentations? And why do they all demos, sales conversations, calls, whatever we want to call it? Why do they all sound the same? They're not unique mm -hmm. and they're not memorable, which led me to what I do now, man, my mission that you described at the beginning of our call. Now, hopefully all the salespeople listening, don't kill me for saying this, but I will push back a little bit. They do maybe tell some stories. They're not, not just not necessarily all true stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what no. you do? I, you know what I get to pick on salespeople. I get to pick on salespeople. I think we um, are. Look, we've all been there, done that. Uh, not in terms of lying, but in terms of being salespeople. But we know what's really interesting. One question I always get, Colin, from salespeople is, man, you know, when it comes to the conflict of my story, Ravi, like, is it okay to sprinkle some fairy dust over it and like maybe like, like lie? And I'm like, no, like, no, like, it's put not. Some lipstick Stick okay. on it. Yeah. Put some lipstick yeah. on it. Right. Dress it up yeah. a little bit. And you know, Embellish it. yeah. Exactly. And I don't think that's a good look because no, because you're not it, it, the truth comes out and one, it's gonna feel misaligned, right? Just how when you talked about, you know, you got you know, went through the corporate job and did that and you know, there's you felt misaligned with, you know, your passion and what you enjoyed doing versus what you were doing. Well, if you're constantly making up stories, <laughs> you know, you're going to feel like shit most of the time. And it's hard to keep up with that. It's exhausting. 
Yeah, so, dude, it's exactly, man. You're not going to have a conviction in what you're saying. It's just not ethically moral. And the final thing is, is there's a difference between most people believe, well, actually, let me take it back. A lot of people feel like their stories are boring when actually mm. it's just the framing and the way they describe it and the way that they share the story. That's a game changer. Yeah, or the or just the lack of experience of sharing their story. Mm. Right. Yeah, I mean, man. the more people- you get comfortable in, I mean, people have unique stories, right? And experiences and some, you know, people maybe come from nothing or, you know, have very hard upbringing or whatever the case is, that's all part of their story. Um, and some of that stuff is just, they're scared to share. It's like, well, if I share those things, nobody's going to like me, you know, everybody's going to run away and they're definitely not going to want to do business with me. Yeah, that's right, man. That's right, brother. And I think what's really interesting is, is there's even an often a belief that I don't have a story to tell. Who would listen to me? I'm just an FDR. I'm just this. I'm just that. And there's always going to be a reason why you can't share your story. But I think the way to think about it when it comes to a sales story, if I had to really boil it down to the fundamentals is what is the million dollar problem that your ideal client is struggling with? Not the symptoms, the underlying root cause of those symptoms, that is the million dollar problem. And then wrapping your stories consistently around that. Because then it's going to be not serving you, it's serving the person you want to impact. And that changes the mindset. So give me an example, like, you know, maybe recent project you're working on or sort of a go-to. How would a salesperson go about doing that? You know? Okay. Let me give you a real life example of something that happened a little while ago, right? So my back, dude, my lower back has been in pain. And so I ring up my physio, Louise. I'm like, yo, Louise, my back's really hurting. I need an appointment with you so you can do that thing where you just pop it back into place. She's like, all right, Rabbit, all right, all right. I'll see you tomorrow, nine o'clock. I'm like, cool. I'll see you tomorrow, nine o'clock. I get to the clinic. I'm in there sitting on the table and she's like prodding around, like literally feeling around, prodding around, just silent. And she looks up and she's like, your back ain't the issue, Rab. Your back isn't the issue. And I'm like, well, it is, Louise, because I just told you it was the issue. She's like, no, it's not the issue. It's actually your flat feet. Because of your flat feet, it's creating issues in your knees, which is creating issues in your lower back. If we cure, you can't really cure flat feet, but if we cure the way that you're walking right now, training and all that good stuff, that will alleviate the rest of the pain. So the question to all of you listening right now is, what is the flat feet? foot in the eyes of your ideal clients. And when it comes to a customer success story, which is one of the stories that is a huge trust accelerator in economic downturns, especially in times like this, wrapping your story around that, around how you've served somebody with a similar DNA who's gone from pain to glory and alleviated that problem is huge, man. It's huge. And I was training the team over at Crunchbase um, in Vegas, uh, their SKO a couple of months ago. And that was one of the things that we really spoke about, man, is really understanding who you're speaking to, uncovering that million dollar problem, and then being able to wrap a 90 second sales story around that. Mm. And how do they integrate part of themselves and make it unique into that story? So really it boils down to the personalization 
of that story, right? How can you, where are the variables open for you to create that experience where if you've got five reps sharing the exact same story, how can you add your Colin Mitchell? How can you add the Ravi over it, right? Now, one of the ways, which is very, very impactful to do so, which I want to focus on now is the delivery of it. Mm -hmm. Most people craft a story and they spend 99% of their time crafting it. And then they get on the call. They're like, um, so there's one time at band camp, um, this thing happened. <laughs> right. And it's like, what? So you really got to think about you know, the delivery. Cause that's one really, really good to separate you. You know, other little variables can be the description in, in the way, in the way that you look at the problem that they were struggling with. And how it was really agitating their pain, you know, all of the all of the description around the problem that they were struggling with, and the way that you actually got in contact with them, and the story around no, that. But that's also, important. The that's an important piece. That's an important piece because I think one? people, the description and how you yeah. how detailed you get, right? Because I've seen people attempt this, and by not being descriptive enough, it's a fail. Right. Because it sounds very much like something like this, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah, we had a client who had that problem too, and we were able to help them do this. And we're so great. And the problem with that story is the company's the hero. It's not very, very descriptive. And it seems like a canned response just to what the prospect is saying. And so what, what you're saying, Ravi, is like, you know, how descriptive you are. You know, they're going to be more convinced like, hey, this is actually a real story. Like this really did happen. Yes, man, that's right. And also one of the things that I like to think about as well is there's a difference between a case study and a customer success story. Mm. Now, a lot of people are sharing case studies, which are highly technical, which are different to customer success stories. There's a time and place for both. Um, and I don't want to bog down, bog you down with details on that, but here's you know, the diff one subtle shift that somebody listening now could make to their customer success story. Now you could say, um, yeah, this reminds me of a time where I spoke to, um, Colin, who's the S, uh, Colin, no, actually, no, take it back. This reminds me of this time where we helped Cisco, right? How can I resonate with Cisco? How can I see myself in that journey? I can't yeah. versus, Colin Mitchell, the SVP of global sales at Cisco, who's based in San Diego with his four kids, two dogs, and his love of running. That's so different, man. Right? So yeah. now I can see myself in Colin's journey. Yes. And also making sure you're using the right story, right? Like, are we talking, you know, small, mid tech startup? Can they relate to Cisco that much? Probably not. You know, so picking the right uh, story for the prospect, that's like more aligned, um, you know, because even if you pick the wrong, you know, job title, wrong industry, wrong, whatever, there's going to be, well, you know, maybe that works for them, but I'm, you know, I'm different. Everybody wants to be different. Right. So finding a story that's as similar to them as a company or an individual as possible, I'm sure it helps a lot. That's right, brother. And you know, the, the way I would like to think about it is the two words I said earlier, which is the DNA 
of the individual. So if you look at your ICP, are you sharing an enterprise story with an SME client? Because I've done this, by the way, back in my days selling tech. I, I love the idea we just landed this new logo, yeah. Colin, this enterprise logo. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to share it on every single yeah. call, man. So I get on the call with an SME client. It's going so well. I share it. And she goes, oh, oh. You don't serve people like us. I Your guess are really we're expensive. Gonna to yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to have to go elsewhere because it created an immediate disconnection. So I told the right story with the wrong client. So you got you can't just be thinking about the pain. You mentioned a very good point is, does the main character of your story, are they clearly identifiable and relatable to the individual that you're trying to connect with? Yeah, yeah. Such an important point. Um, mm. So now... I want to go back to something you said earlier, where there's still not a lot of people using this. Yeah. And what are some reasons that hold people back from from telling stories in in this way, uh, you know, to close more deals? Yeah, man. I mean, I think there's a lot. I'm going to pick on a few here. The first one is a belief that you're not an innate storyteller. You know, there's this belief that it's not a skill set or a muscle that can be worked on. You're either born with it or you're not. And I don't believe my opinion. That's not the truth. I believe it's something you can obtain, but like anything, you need to put in the reps. Most salespeople mm-hmm. will try and learn it once at a one day workshop and never work on it again. When that's like me saying, go to the gym once and get a six pack. It's not going to happen. You need to put in the reps. Like you need to master the craft. That's the first thing. The second thing I'd like to touch upon here is, is the idea that leadership will often say, go share this story. And they're not actually sharing a story. They're sharing a marketing message or another type of narrative. So it's an understanding of what storytelling actually is. But another thing, which is quite interesting is some people don't believe in storytelling, right? And I think it's become a buzzword that uh, is used across LinkedIn every single day when we open up our profiles. But there is a percentage of people who, um, and I remember this in a specific poll I put out maybe a year and a half ago, but something about salespeople and storytelling. And there's one lady put in the comments, storytelling is a load of rubbish. It's just people talking about themselves. I don't believe in it. Get to the point, right? So there's an education that needs to be done. You're selling change in that case, meaning mm. a change from, what they're doing now and ultimately how it could be done differently. So loads of reasons, man, but those are three, which are really standing out to me in this moment. Okay. So let's, let's touch on how can, let's touch on the first point there, right? Cause I think this is probably, uh, you know, you might know better than me, uh, Ravi, but I'm going to take a wild guess and say, this is probably one of the most common, right? Like, Oh, they, you know, hear you speak or listen to your podcast and like, yeah, cool. Tell stories, but they don't get the reps in. Right. And the analogy there you gave the gym, not getting the six pack. So how can a seller, um, get the reps in and get better and master the craft of storytelling? Like where's a good place for them to just get started and try to improve this skill set? Okay. Here's what you need to do people. Okay, you're going to take somebody from your sales team. You're going to say, hey, Colin, listen, Ravi's just set me a 10 day video challenge. I'm going to do it. Are you in? You're both going to go. Yeah, we're in. Okay, and then you're going to write down 10 topics that need to be filmed in less than 60 seconds, meaning the video must be less than 60 seconds. 10 day video challenge. Okay, it doesn't have to go out to LinkedIn. It can just go 
to you both through a WhatsApp chat. Okay. Now, what you're going to learn here to do is share a story in less than 60 seconds about this topic. But here's also what you got to do. You got to use a specific method. And this method is called the PSA method to share the story. And now a great dude called Victor Antonio calls this the spa framework. I know different people call it the P framework, whatever it is, but I believe in it as the PSA method point story audience impact. So at the start of the video, when it comes to answering a question around the topic of why you believe sales is the best career in the world. Okay. Assume that's topic one. Now you're going to share a story around that. You're going to give a point. You're going to get straight to the punchline as to why you believe this. Then you're going to enter the story. You're going to give the context, the conflict, the turning point and the transformation. And then you're going to head to why this is important to the individual watching this video today. And then you're going to do that every single day for 10 days. And you're going to start building that muscle and realize it's not as scary as you think. Wow. But in 60 seconds. Yeah, bro. You got to unpack a lot. You got to be concise. You can't ramble. You can't add any fluff. You got to get straight to the point, tell the story and give the benefit, you know, to the person. Well, dude, I'll give an example, right? The incy wincy spider went up the water spout. Context. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Conflict. Out came the sun and dried up all the rain, turning point, incy-wincy spider, well, they went up the spout again. Transformation. Now, here's the issue. That adds zero business value to anybody. But what if I told <laughs> you the moral of that story was resilience? And as an SDR in today's climate, with a looming economic downturn, you need to show resilience just like my boy Incy. Now, here's the thing, right? It's about plucking, right? the moral of the story from that and aligning it with a million dollar problem. But as you can see, that's a four line message, narrative story, right? So less is more. Yeah. Yeah. Less is more. I think often, you know, people, when they get nervous or uncomfortable or doing something that they don't have a lot of practice in, they tend to overshare, over talk and say too much. And that's where, you know, you run into trouble and you sort of defeat the whole purpose of telling the story in the first place because your prospects aren't even listening. I mean, like they're checked out. (laughs) They're checking Slack, email, something else. They're not even listening anymore. Yeah, brother, that's right. And the way I think about it is the more succinctly you communicate rather with conviction the higher the credibility that you really show, meaning it increases your credibility stock in the eyes of your prospect. But the level of certainty and energy that is transferred is insane. I mean, imagine the FBI questioning somebody who's been accused of murder. And they're like, I didn't do it because uh, of this reason and that reason and this reason and that reason. And they're going on and on and on. You're like, you did it, man. You did it. You're like, you're talking way too much, right? You're talking way too much. You're just defending yourself unnecessarily. What's going on here? You did it. Versus the guy that's just sitting there in shock, like saying nothing. Exactly. Who's like, I was with my wife. What are you talking about? Like, you know what I mean? They're like, man. I don't think he did it. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. So, all right. So uh, what what I'm curious about, right? Because 
a lot of people selling virtually now resume, obviously. Yeah. Any tips on, you know, how to tell a good story with conviction and, you know, do it right. Um, you know, through selling virtually the way that most people are selling today. Yeah, a hundred percent, brother. Um, I'm going to focus on the delivery to begin with. Now, a lot of reps, they forget to look down the lens of the camera. If I met you in person, Colin, and I was looking at your chest or at your crotch or at your feet, you'd be like, what is going on? So why is it okay to do that on a Zoom call? So I would say, look down the lens of the camera or your webcam when communicating. But the question I get from reps then is, is, yeah, but it feels so weird just looking down the lens. It feels sterile. But here's what I want you to do, people. I want you to look down the lens of the camera and think of it as the eyes of your best friend. So right now I'm thinking of one of my good buddies called Chris. I'm looking down the lens, right? When I'm thinking of Chris, I'm smiling, right? My conversational language starts to come through and I'm a lot lighter versus, hello, I'm here to help you increase shareholder value, right? I'm not in pitch mode. You know what I'm saying? So. Think of the lens as your best friend because you will talk in a more conversational tone. You'll also smile, right? Which brings that energy and you're going to be looking into the eyes of the person you need to impact your prospect. I'm going to pause there for a second. What do you think, man? It kills me when people are like on Zoom and they're like, yeah, looking around and or they say something and they look up and you're like, oh, he's full of shit. (laughs) You know, that's what people are thinking. And it's not necessarily that you are full of shit, but you know, your body language is saying otherwise. And whether you are or you aren't, um, you know, your the the demeanor and, 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 and the emotion that you put into what you're saying matters a lot. And it is weird looking at the camera lens, but look, this is the way that we are doing business. So get comfortable with it. Get used to it. Put a picture of Chris up there next to the camera if you need to. Uh, whatever you got to do, you know, so that you're not looking at the floor or off to the side or up every time you say something that you're, you know, maybe uh, unsure how they're going to receive. Because uh, people can do weird things when they get nervous. And you can read all that through the camera. 100% brother. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. And it reminds me of uh, a very interesting way to have your prospect share a story with you. So much of the time we're like, how do we share a story? How do we share a story? Which is great, right? Especially when the goal is to have your prospect exchange one in return. But how do you get your prospects to share a story? So here's an example. Colin, if I said to you, after we're talking about some of the challenges you're struggling with right now, if I said to you, man, how long have you been struggling with that challenge? You're like two years, three years, four years. But that's not a bad question. But the focus there is really on you giving me a binary response. It's it's close-ended, right? But if I said to you, Colin, man, that's so interesting. Bro, can you tell me about the time when you actually realized, first realized where that was a big problem for you? Now you're going to give me a story as a response. Oh, Rav, I remember, man, it was like 2018 and I was hanging out at the park and then this happened and this happened and then that happened. That immediately starts to build a connection. So something small that you can do, ask an open-ended question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a big difference. Set them up to tell you a story versus, you know, looking for a one answer canned response because, um, man, I mean, the amount of connection that you're going to get with them through them sharing a story with you. I mean, that is where the magic happens. Yeah, bro. And you know what? Listen, it's got to be 
I, you know, let me take it back to me asking a client, a prospect, a story about something in their virtual background. I like to do so. I'm, I'm scanning your background now, right? And I like to also think about a question to ask them, which will elicit a story as a response. I'm looking at your background now. Right? I'm looking at the books, the Buddha, all that sort of stuff. But with a prospect that I was on a call with, I remember, man, it was about May this year, May 2022. And I see a picture in this dude's background of two ladies. And I go, dude, I can't remember the exact words I said. But I said something along the lines of, dude, like something to do like your two daughters. I don't know how the question was worded. But like, tell me, like, you got two daughters? How old are they? And he smiles and he's like, that's not my daughter. That's my wife. <laughs> and I was like, ah, no. And I start squirming, bro. I'm like, <laughs> right. So I'm like hyperventilating. I'm like, yeah, cool. I mean, that's what I meant. Like, yeah, anyway. So tell me a bit about that. So anyway, I was squirming. I'm like, dude, I'm speaking to the COO of Insightly here. I've blown the deal, right? I've blown the deal. This ain't happening, but you can't say the wrong thing to the right client. I squirmed. He laughed. We couldn't stop cracking up about it afterwards um, because I quickly tried to move on from it. And I used that specific story in the virtual workshop i ended up delivering to his team so it can go wrong um but was, his, was his wife there no no not at the virtual <laughs> workshop no, no, no. Um, yeah. thankfully not uh, but I, used yeah, that hey, I mean he was probably like yeah you know that's like a compliment you're freaking <laughs> yeah. out and he's like yeah you know um, he had a good he had a good heart and he's got a great heart and he's got some good energy man so luckily um yeah, he, he finds it funny now. But at the time I was like, oh man, oh damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, I guess the, it could go either way, right? So yeah. be careful, be careful with what you assume. Yes. In, in how you ask the question to tee them up to tell you a story. No, um, not exactly. all will survive and have a good story to tell, like my man Ravi here. <laughs> yeah, don't do what Rav did. Now, I really want to remember the exact question I asked him, but regardless, you get the takeaway, people. You know, be very, very mindful of what you're asking. And yeah, in that case, I couldn't say the wrong thing to the right person. He was a great dude. So yeah, it worked out, but it's not always going to end up that way. Yeah. yeah. What's your take on, you know, different personality types and how to address them differently and, you know, maybe tell stories in a different way. People care about different things, right? You have your people that are more facts-based and numbers and, you know, like, so do you have any, you know, tips around how to deliver the same story in maybe different ways with people who care about different things. Yeah. And listen, I think this is a question that a lot of people have is Ravi. I deal with lawyers. I deal with CFOs, analytical individuals. They don't care about story. They want me to get straight to the punchline. And I always take people back to this very interesting lady who's a Yale professor um, called Dr. Zoe Chance. She's incredible, man. She's got a really cool book called Influences Your Superpower. Now, I had her on my show a little while ago, and ultimately she was speaking about some research that she highlighted in her book, and it was about 1,100 parole decisions made by Israeli judges. And here's the interesting thing, man. When the Israeli judges were well-fed and not tired, two-thirds of individuals went back to society. 
Okay. So the start of the day, they were good, right? But guess what happened when they were hangry and towards the end of the day, virtually everybody went back to prison. Now, what's interesting here is she believes, Zoe believes that we have two ways in which that we process information. The gator, aka the alligator, which makes snap decisions and really focuses on our instinct. And she believes 95% of our decisions happen through the gator, right? Emotional decisions uh, using using our emotion. And then 5% happen through the judge, right? The rational parts of our mind. Now, mm. what was interesting was- That's a big the, difference. 95 the and 5%. 5%. Do. And what's crazy here is when the judges were tired, they went back to the 95%, the instinctive part of our brains, and which was really rooted in potentially <clears throat> subconscious bias, right? But what's fascinating here is when people say that, and I take them towards this story, I go, you don't go to the grocery store. Your, your clients or prospects don't go to the grocery store and go, hmm, look at this banana. It's, uh, it's quite small. It's got a brown nodule here. Or let me feel it. Okay. How squishy is maybe they do that once, but can you imagine making every single decision throughout your day rationally like that? It doesn't happen, right? We move towards our first responder, aka the gator. Yeah. Yeah. So feed your prospects before you tell them the story. Feed them, right? Feed them. <laughs> give, give them a nice meal. Make sure they've uh, they've pooped and they are well slept, just like a baby. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> oh, man. Ravi, this has been a lot of fun. Any final thoughts? Where's the best way for people to get into your world? Thanks for bringing so much value to the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Um, sorry, repeat the question, man. I, I missed it. What do you say? Where what's can the, what's the best way for people to get into your world? Oh man, well. One thing I'm super excited about right now is my podcast, The Influential Communicator. So if you want to learn more about storytelling and effective communication as a salesperson, head on down to Apple, Spotify, and all those good platforms where you can find it and tune in. Awesome. We'll drop the link there so you can check that out. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review on whatever podcast platform that you are on today so we can reach more folks like you. And we're also always listening for your feedback. You can go to salestransformation.fm, drop us a voice DM, and we will get back to you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're enjoying the show, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And we hope that you'll tune in again tomorrow as we are here for you every day, weekends included, to help you transform the way you sell.